Welcome to Coaching the Coach. I'm your host, Pete Townley, for the Upstate Performance Project. Hey guys, welcome to the show today. We are going to jump into some new topics. Um, going to give you a little bit, but yeah, going to give you a little bit of a background as to why we're doing these topics. But before we do that, um, jump on over to the website and check out some of the programs we have for sale. Um, we have some weightlifting programs. We have um, our all all of our online personal training options. Um, and then so there's some blogs, uh, some information there if you're just interested in. Uh, learning something new or learning about our philosophy and all the things we've been talking about on the last couple podcasts. So check that out. Um, that being said, we're going to jump right in today to our topic and we are going to talk about movement patterns and motor development, um, particularly with kids um, or youth athletes. Um, you know, So if any of you train youth athletes or you have kids that are getting into sports or they just want to stay fit, um, there's going to be some some good information here today. So the reason I wanted to do this, um, we have started training a lot of kids. Um, I mean, we've always had some and always had, you know, a good um, uh, rapport and, and a good outcome with, with training our kids. Um, but we seem to be picking up more and more and that's great. But a lot of the questions we get from the parents when they're calling around looking for information is some of the old myths about you know lifting weight, stunting growth, and things like that, and what's appropriate, and all of those. Excuse me, got the hiccups. All of those sorts of things. And really, there's never a one size fits all answer, right? You just can't do that for anything. But in this particular case, it's really difficult because. Um, it just depends on where the athlete is in their physical maturity. And so when we talk about, you know, age, uh, like actual chronological age and when is it appropriate, you can't just say eight years old or nine, 10 years old. It has to be, you know, what their physical um, uh, maturity is, not just their chronological age. And so that's where we get into a little bit of, um, trickiness when we're trying to have a program so like if we were to have a group program for youth um, around 10 there's going to be a wide disparity of abilities at that time but what we want to do or what I want to get across today is what are some general things you can be doing in general ages um, when it when is it appropriate you know to start some of these higher level uh, exercises like lifting weights and what have you um, but then also kind of lead us into how we actually break down the skills. And I'm, I'm not going to go great into detail there for two reasons. One, um, back, gosh, two years ago on the podcast, one of our earlier podcasts, I did a very long one um, where I went back to my old podcast, um, Lifting in Larryville, and I re, um, reposted some old um podcast from there on this channel because they were I just didn't feel like recreating the wheel but I wanted to bring that to this to, to my newer audience uh, so if you haven't checked that one out um, I'll, I'll I'll look up what number it is and put it in the description here but it's um, it was about skill breakdown and 
the other reason I'm not going to go into great detail about it today is I'm actually going to start my skill breakdown seminars again. We did them when we first opened the gym and uh, they were pretty successful. Um, I would like to do that again and get some more involvement there with, um, with trainers and, and coaches uh, to understand not just how to coach better and develop better cues, that's obviously one of the goals, but really to make sure that our athletes are getting um, the most out of what they're doing, regardless of how much weight they're using. Um, and it's not just weightlifting form. This is this is all skill um, form. So it's like running, jumping, hitting a baseball, swinging a tennis racket. You know, we can break down these skills with a certain template that I have, um, and. You'll get more information of when that seminar is going to be uh, as soon as, as soon as I know <laughs> when it's going to be. Um, but some of the topics that we're going to talk about today, you're going to find in this, um, are kind of a precursor to what we'll be talking about in the seminar. So, first and foremost, the biggest thing to keep in mind when we're talking about uh, developing programs for young athletes, and regardless of the age and regardless of you know what sport, just some basic things. There are um, some general, well, and we'll, we'll say very general uh, developmental um, uh, outlines or, or uh, uh, continuums, uh, if you will, timelines. That's what I was trying to think of. Um, and so starting with like, very early in childhood, in early childhood, like around two to five years or so, you have this fundamental movement stage where we're, we're learning how to walk better, more coordinated, maybe even running. Uh, there, there could be some jumping. You know, these are all just very fundamental movements that are just daily movements, squatting down, picking things up. You know, we always talk about how young kids have like perfect squat form because they just squat right down and get it. Their back's perfectly straight. They go down, pick up what they want, stand right up. And we lose that somehow, right, over the over our development. And as, as we get older, you know, kids around six, you know, still in childhood, still young, they can start learning some actual sport skills like throwing, swinging, um, you know, all of these kind of sport skills that are... Um, going to help them in whatever sport they, they might play. So it might not be a six-year-old starts to learn how to throw a fastball or a curveball, but they can start throwing, whether they're going to be a baseball player, softball player, javelin thrower, football player, you know, any throwing athlete. Um, same with any kind of swing. There's trunk rotation and, you know, uh, shoulder uh, rotation. Uh, sorry, I've got the... <clears throat> All three dogs are coming over to me right now. Hey guys, it's nice to have the studio with the dogs in the studio. Kind of makes it fun, right guys? Anyhow, um, so as the children get older and now we're still kind of in this adolescent phase, so like, you know, 12 to, to 18, we're talking about um, growth and refinement. So we're seeing a lot of physical growth in this phase, right, puberty. Uh, at the same time, the, that's when we're refining some of these fundamental skills. So we're having the ability to really get detailed in what we're able to do um, with them. So now we are talking about learning, you know, specific 
types of throwing and specific types of swinging and things like that. And then, you know, as we get into adulthood, we hit our, our peak. And, you know, by the time we get, you know, 60s, 70s, then we're kind of regressing a little bit, right? And so that's our, our developmental timeline, right? And so that's a very quick overview. But the idea with all of that or understanding that is it didn't say like at eight years old, you start with squats and at nine, you start with deadlifts and 10, you start with power cleans or something like that. It's, it's, you know, what kinds of movements should you be doing at certain ages? So if we go back to this continuum and we're looking at ages, say six to 12, that, that later childhood, you know, where they can start learning some sport skills, they've already learned fundamental movements. Now these can be squatting motions, they can be pressing motions and hinging motions, and they can do that with you know uh, a wooden dowel or PVC or even a training bar that weighs five to ten pounds with some plates that weigh a couple pounds. So they're getting the fundamentals. They're, the the training plates are of the right size, so they're always developing with the appropriate you know um, spacing and height of the weights uh, as they would be when they're when they're fully grown. Um, but the point being, some of these basic movements can be learned at that age. And the thought is, we want to make sure that they move extremely well before we put any significant load on the bar uh, or dumbbells or kettlebells or whatever we're loading. And, and obviously that makes sense, right? We, the better we move, the, the more um, uh, or the less likely we are to be injured and, and the more efficient we will be lifting the weight or pushing a sled or whatever it is that we're doing. However, what we need to make sure though of the other reason we want to do this is that we actually will improve performance tremendously. If we're moving well and we continue to move well, yes, we'll have uh, less likelihood of being injured, but we'll also be able to um, handle other stresses better. And this comes into play with what we call transferable skills. So in my, in my seminar, you're going to hear me talk a lot about transferable skills. These are skills that are learned um, in the gym or you know, on the field that, that can cross over different sports. They're not like football specific or soccer specific or gymnastics specific. These are just skills that can be adapted over a large um, swath of, of activities. And that's the, that's the age, that six to 12 year old age, where we really need to learn these transferable skills. And so jumping, hinging, twisting, those kind of movements. Uh, those are f some fundamental movements, but they're a little bit more sport skill related in that they are using those fundamentals and taking them a step further. But um, the reason I say that word transferable skills this comes in in, in direct. Um, uh, this is where it gets a little bit controversial in, in some, with some strength coaches. You'll see some strength coaches and with kids that are in the um, more of their you know adolescent phase, twelve to eighteen range, where they're where they're. Um, loading certain movement patterns and you see it in adults as well that may not be you know perfect for that sport so let, let me give you a quick example especially with a young athlete um and i i can make an argument with really any age athlete for this but 
let's say let's take a golfer and you see all the time um you know weighted golf clubs or the thing i see the the, the most is taking a a a cable machine with a pole attachment and kind of doing this golf-like swing where you're pushing hard and the, the resistance is down at the end of that pole and you're pushing through and you know to develop club head speed and to develop power and strength in that movement pattern well what you're really doing yeah you you could build some strength and some rotational strength that way but what you're doing is you're teaching your body to forcefully you know kind of chop down in that position and that's that's not necessarily the swing you're not trying to you're letting you want the club head to swing through and do the work right you're not trying to throw the club head at the ball so a transferable skill in this case instead of a loaded you know or resisted swing uh, you want to do just a trunk rotation right you might do a trunk rotation with with a band so you're in more of a vertical position and just just rotating your trunk keeping your hips stable so that when we do learn the actual sport skill of a golf swing our hips uh, and our trunk can move independently of each other and that skill that we learned is then transferred to golf in this case or swinging a baseball bat right both both of that both of those sports can benefit from the transferable skill of, of learning that trunk rotation whereas you know what you might see at, in, a, in a, a more advanced athlete would be getting a club head that's weighted and swinging that as a warm-up and swinging a weighted bat as a warm-up just to get you know some general swings in or just general motion to warm up those muscles but in the weight room trying to train a swing that's loaded would not necessarily be advantageous um, so these are th that's just an example of a transferable skill being preferred especially at this more um, you know six to twelve year old range um, and really even uh, through the adolescent phase up to eight up to adulthood at 18 you want to make sure that the skills that you're training are going to be useful as opposed to um, you know something that's very specific to that we're not just specific to that sport but reinforcing a movement pattern you don't want to reinforce uh, let me give you another example um, take a take a, an older athlete you know someone who's in that 12 to 18 year old range and where they want to be a football player some people will always say you know it was very hot topic when we start talking about functional training that football players don't really need to bench press and why is the bench press even in the combine and the thought is because they're not ever really pressing in that motion right they're not pushing that way and it's true if i'm going to specifically train an ad, a football player for football i might use a jammer that might be a more specific movement or, or at least an incline uh chest press like kind of a close grip incline chest press with dumbbells or something like that but the thought is that would be something i would use in my uh, pre-season phase so I'm still trying to you know keep the strength up but now I'm trying to transfer that power and that strength into a specific movement that they're going to use on the field I will still use a bench press in my football training in the offseason for general upper body strength training that pressing motion is still a fundamental movement that has transferable abilities 
And then as I get closer to this, the season, in my preseason phase, I will maybe cut it out entirely and, and go with more explosive uh, movements, like a, a, a chest pass with the med ball um, or the jammer, things like that. And so that's where, you know, when you hear these topics like, oh, you should never have a, a football player do this or you should never have them do this. Well, you got to look at where they are in their training phase. What are you using it for? And what skills can be transferred from that movement? So if you're doing a movement and there's nothing to be gained from it, in other words, what are you, what are you getting from this drill? If it can't be transferred to an actual skill for their sport, then it's maybe something you don't need to include in your exercise selection. So let me give you a really good example. A few years ago, the trend all over the place was to stand on your physio ball and do a back squat. It's great, it looks cool, um, and you can make an argument that you know, you're using a lot of stability muscles, but where is that helpful? I mean, yes, being balanced and coordinated and having good core strength and being you know, well-balanced and coordinated from left to right is definitely preferable in everything. And in that regard, it's a transferable skill. However, what you don't get is the risk-reward. I mean, the, the risk on that exercise is so great that there's so many other ways like um, you, know, you could do uh, payoff presses and, and there's a lot of other exercises that have that same kind of you know, course, looking at core stability while we're moving uh, without the risk involved. And so you know, that's just when it comes down to exercise selection. Um, another one that, that we see a lot for like, um, you, know, uh, or, you know, the classic example uh, with football is, you know, back in my day when I was younger, our warm-up was running like 800 meters, sometimes longer. That was our warm-up. You know, a general warm-up is not bad, but that seemed a little bit inappropriate for our conditioning. Uh, and or warm up because that's not necessarily what we do. Now, having endurance is okay, but that doesn't really help our sport. And so if if I'm going to put in, you know, 2-3 mile runs in my football training program, even though there is some benefit to training or to to running, it's not going to help that sport, right? And so your exercise selection, you have to look at what skill for their sport is going to be gained through this or is it a general movement that has a lot of transferability so for example i go back to the trunk rotation you obviously you need rotation in all of your 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 um, programming and so doing more general rotation skills especially early on will help those athletes so when they do learn their specific sports swinging a baseball bat swinging a golf club or a tennis racket these rotation movements are more natural to them because they have that foundation, that foundational movement development or motor development. So what we're going to do in the seminar is we're going to put together um, a pattern of movements um, or a, 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 a timeline, a sequential order of when, when you should start moving, learning certain things. Um, and then we're going to, the, the bulk of it is going to get into what we call skill breakdown. So we want to take each movement, whatever that movement is, whether it's a, a sport movement like running, jumping, or throwing a ball, uh, or, or a, a more simple case in like watching a squat. We're going to break each movement down into phases. 
and then each phase we're going to break down into um, areas that we can identify as um, you know key uh, key phases or key parts to that movement. Uh, and then we have what we call our mechanical rationale, where we're going to say what, from a biomechanics standpoint, what's actually going on here at this phase. Uh, and so then, if we know all of that, and we can learn to kind of visualize that template or that that model in your head, and, and you'll see, I'll, I'll present that, um, it'll make sense to you, and you'll say, okay, I can quickly look at a skill and see this model in my brain, and and kind of identify where the problem is. I know what's supposed to be going on here, and here, even in this one little tiny phase, I can break that down into two or three different key areas and mechanically be able to tell you what's not happening or what is happening too much or whatever the case is, and that's where I can go to fix it. And then we talk about how do we prioritize and how do we come up with cues that are meaningful. So all of these things help us take any skill break it down uh, and and help us determine if we're actually, you know, if the athlete is actually getting, you know, better or how we can improve that athlete in what areas. But all of that is predicated on knowing what types of, you know, skills are. There's open skills and closed skills. Um, there's transferable skills. There's a lot of things that we need to understand first um, in context to where that athlete is developmentally so what's appropriate for them to be doing at that stage? At the same time, you know, what can we, what should we be focusing on in terms of what their body can handle, and what kind of transferable skills can we teach them that then we can refine later? So as a little precursor to that, um, in the next podcast, well, I'm going to get a little bit deeper into this motor learning versus motor development. Um, idea and again this is just all background information that hopefully will get you to start thinking about uh, when you're when you're working with a younger athlete um, how to start setting it up appropriately so have a great day and we'll talk to you soon <laughs>